0: The Adam Schefter podcast is presented by Granger. With supplies and solutions for every industry, Granger has the right product for you. All click Granger.com or just stop by. Welcome back to another Adam Schefter podcast, it's a post Super Bowl 57 podcast in which we will be joined. By the backup quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, Chad Henney, a man who won his second Super Bowl ring and a man who, moments after the big win on Sunday night, announced that after 13 seasons, he is retiring. Chad Henney, the all time leading career completions quarterback in Michigan history, the all time passing yards leader in Michigan history, the all time passing touchdowns leader in Michigan history who now becomes the second Michigan quarterback within the last few weeks to announce his retirement. Tom Brady, Chad Henney go out together weeks apart, and we will hear some great stories from the former Chiefs backup quarterback, Chad Henney. But first, some stories about Super Bowl 57 week. These are some fun, wild stories. It was one of the great Super Bowl weeks that as a professional, I have experienced. And it started really on Monday when my daughter Dylan was working for Nickelodeon doing opening night festivities, putting together a piece for their show, Slime Time. And I got to follow her around and just see how things were being done. And as we tried to get closer to the players at one point so that she could go interview Travis Kelsey, which she eventually did, one of the NFL staffers on duty was standing right behind the rope to try to help her get closer. And he stopped and he said, Mr. Schefter. And I said, call me Adam. And he said, my name is Terrell Bush. And I don't know if you remember this, but you came and spoke at my college in 2016. And after your speech got done, you, I asked you for some more career advice. You challenged me to come into the profession. And we took this picture together. And with that, he took out his phone and had a picture that he and I took seven years ago while he was a student at Hofstra on Long Island. And he had a caption written up on the picture. We took another picture, and I thought it was unbelievable that seven years later, he's there to help my daughter get positioned to try to interview Travis Kelsey. World's coming together, and I was very proud of Terrell Bush to make the climb from Hofstra to now working for the NFL. That was on Monday night. And then on Wednesday, after finishing the six o'clock sports center, Jeff Darlington texted me that he was hanging out in a bar, a few storefronts away from the ESPN set in Old Town, Scottsdale. And so I went and met him and Diana Rossini. They had gotten done with their work for the day. We sat around and had a post-show drink for a little moment before we went to go meet other people for dinner. Now, In Old Town Scottsdale, they have these golf carts that take people around. So we found a golf cart and we had Jeff Darlington in the back row, me and Diana in the middle row, and the driver in the front row as the driver was taking us a couple of miles away to go meet another person for dinner. And as we're driving down the street, main street in the golf cart, a woman in a truck pulls up right next to us and points to Jeff Darlington. And shouts out, 480 321 And Jeff Darlington looked all surprised. Me? Yeah, you. Here's my number. You're a good-looking guy. Why don't you call me later for a good time? Jeff was so flustered and taken aback, and he said to her, Ma'am, I'm very sorry. Thank you for the offer, but I'm married. And she looked away in disgust and then turned and looked at Diana Rossini and shouted out her number to Diana. And she said, why don't you come back with me tonight? And Diana got very embarrassed and said, no, thank you. I'm married. I can't do that. And with that, the woman said, your loss rolled up her window and drove away. So Jeff Darlington got propositioned. Diana Rossini got propositioned. And me, I got completely nothing. Ignored. Ignored. Super Bowl week, unlike my colleagues. That was pretty wild as well. On Saturday, Booger McFarland and I went to the Waste Management Phoenix Open golf match. And fortunately, he had worked for the PGA on Thursday doing some play-by-play on ESPN+. And so they invited him back out. I was invited back out. They got us behind the ropes on 16, 17, and 18, which was awesome. What a rowdy golf match that is. And when you step into that forum, and I do mean forum on 16, all these stands are built up. It looks like you're stepping into the Roman Coliseum on a par three hole in the PGA tour. It was unbelievable. The fans were drinking, screaming. I've never been in, in anything like that, to be quite frank. And Booger and I walked out and we got to watch Rory McElroy hit. And then we got to watch the next group hit. And we followed one of the threesomes to the next hole. It was Billy horshall and Chesson Hadley. And, And Billy comes over to me and Booger and starts talking to us. Billy knew Booger from their Peloton rides together. And then he hits a bad tee shot into the water. Oh, I felt bad about that because he was talking to us right before. And then Chesson Hadley hits his drive and he comes right over me and he goes, Hey, any chance my Panthers get Aaron Rodgers? And I said, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I would get back to the golf match. I don't believe that the Panthers are a realistic viable landing spot. For Aaron Rodgers. And so Chess and Halley got back to his match of which Booger and I were privy to walk with them throughout the entire time. That was pretty wild. After we got back from the golf match, I had to buy my children's souvenirs from Super Bowl 57 sweatshirts. And so I found a pop up shop almost along the street in Scottsdale that I stopped in. And as I'm standing there, this gentleman walks over and he says, Adam. And I said, yeah. And he said, ken black i said ken black i know that name and he said that's correct i don't know if you knew this but i'm the one that helped work on the broncos jersey redesign which i believe they did after the 1997 season and i do remember that the night before they were unveiled ken black and nike called me to sit down to go over everything but it was embargoed till the next day till they released it but they wanted me to have all the information all the background to write all these stories. And Ken Black told me that Pat Boland, the Broncos owner, wanted Nike to meet with me specifically to go over because as Ken described it, Mr. Bolin trusted me. I was this young reporter that he liked and he wanted me to have all the information that I could. And to hear this story from Ken Black about somebody that I really cared about in Pat Bolin was unbelievable to hear 25 plus years later. That was also a little bit bizarre, a little bit like bumping into Terrell Bush, an encounter I had seven years ago. This was an encounter from twenty-five years ago, and now we go into Super Bowl Sunday. Last interesting encounter of the week: me, Teddy Bruschi, Matt Hasselbeck, Randy Moss. We decided to watch the game together back at our hotel, and it's very interesting to be with those guys and listen to their insights about what's going to happen. During the game, and we sit down to watch the game and proceed to have this conversation about the Eagles punters that Matthew Hasselbeck brought up. And he was saying a underrated storyline for this game was the Eagles deciding to deactivate their punter red Kern to activate Aaron Shippas from injured reserve. And the reason they did that was because Sipos had shorter end over end kicks that were tougher to field, whereas Kern would have gotten more distance. And that's going to affect the return men that Kansas City is going to use in the Super Bowl. Now, Kansas City is going to use Justin Watson, who's a little bit more sure-handed, unless they feel like they need a big return from Kadarius Tony, and then they'll expose Tony, who has struggled to stay on the field with injuries, to one of those punts in the hopes that they can get a punt return. We had this whole conversation pre-game as we're sitting in the pro shop of our hotel. They set up a big TV for us there. They shut down the pro shop, and we got to watch in the pro shop, surrounded by hats and shirts, the Super Bowl. And so Matthew Hasselbeck laid out a scenario about how important it was that the Eagles went for Sipos over Brett Kern and how it would affect the Chiefs return game unless they needed a big return. And lo and behold, what did they do late in the game? They went to Tony and he got the big return that helped change the game. And these football savants that I was sitting with, and that's what I would say about them, called that. And right away, they were talking about the field conditions and noticing way before it became an issue What a horrendous playing surface it was and how the players were going to have to adjust their shoes and change their cleats. It was very cool to watch the Super Bowl with my countdown colleagues in the pro shop of our hotel and see that great game unfold. And by the way, I know we've all heard about the penalty at the end of the game. The officiating has been an issue, despite what the league says, all year long. And the concern was that officiating would help impact a game of that magnitude, and lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. Now, was it the right call? I guess. Was it holding? I guess. Was it a ticky-tacky call in a game where they hadn't called that penalty all game long? Absolutely. And so the officials, while making the right call, deprived us of a classic ending that would have elevated that game into an all-time Super Bowl that it didn't turn out that way. It was a great movie with a bad ending because now the Chiefs were able to run down the clock, kick the field goal, win the game. Eagles had a Hail Mary. That was it. Let's say that penalty is not called. Let's say the Chiefs kick a field goal. The Eagles get the ball back with just under two minutes, one timeout. How great would that have been to watch Jalen Hurts get the ball with just under two minutes to see if he could lead his team to a game-time field goal that would have led to overtime, or a game-winning touchdown that would have made him the Super Bowl MVP that would have essentially been a much more exciting ending than the official calling some ticky-tack foul that was a foul. But please, it influenced and impacted the result of that game. And so I heard some people mentioning, what a great Super Bowl. Was that the greatest Super Bowl of all time? It wasn't even the best Super Bowl in Arizona. The other two Super Bowls that were played there were better games. The Giants beating the unbeaten Patriots team when David Tyree had the catch, better game than Super Bowl 57. How about Malcolm Butler picking off Russell Wilson in Arizona, better Super Bowl than the one on Sunday? The one on Sunday could have challenged if there was no holding on James Bradbury late in the game and we had seen overtime, maybe the first playoff game with the new overtime rules, but... We were deprived of that because of a ticky-tack call that made the game a really good Super Bowl, but not a classic and not one of the great games. But a man involved in that game, a man who announced his retirement shortly thereafter, is the Chiefs' backup quarterback, Chad Henney. And earlier this week, before the Chiefs' Super Bowl parade, Henney spent some time talking about his decision and his career. For the ones who get it done... Granger offers professional-grade supplies and solutions made for every industry and backed by product experts. Call, click, Granger.com or just stop by. Chad? Hey, how are you? Thank you very much for doing this. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks for having me. And congratulations on a number of things here, I guess, right? We congratulate you on a world championship, another world championship, right? Yep. Thank you. And we congratulate you on your retirement, right?
1: Thank you. No. And two so missing guys go out on the same time, right? Yeah, well, I was just gonna say, <laughs> who would
0: have thought who would have thought that we'd get a retirement from a Michigan quarterback this offseason where the Michigan quarterback is the all time school leader in career completions with eight hundred and twenty eight and passing yards with nine thousand seven hundred and fifteen <laughs> and passing touchdowns eighty seven. And that's not Tom Brady.
1: Yeah, unbelievable. It's uh, definitely a great experience for sure.
0: Do do you ever hold that over him that you have all the school passing records? I mean,
1: he's got a lot (laughs) of marks on his own, but you got the school records at Michigan. No, not at all. I mean, (laughs) I'll take his uh, seven Super Bowls over my college career for sure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So this has been quite a whirlwind for you, and I'm curious to know how and when you knew you were going to retire and why you decided to drop the news right after the game, which kind of got lost in the commotion of another Super Bowl title for the Chiefs, Chad.
1: Yeah, I kind of just knew going into the year that this might be it. And obviously, um, you know, how far we got getting to the Super Bowl again, obviously going against the Philadelphia Eagles, which is another tie. Um, I grew up an hour outside of Philadelphia. So it's it's one of those where I knew in the moment uh, the closest people around me knew Um, And then my agent's like, hey, Bud Light wants to do this thing for you if you're willing to uh, put it out there that you're going to retire. And I said, I think I'm at peace. Uh, Obviously, winning this is the ultimate goal. And to go out on top, it's just one of those that it, it was an easy decision. Growing up an hour away from Philadelphia, were you an Eagles fan as a boy, Chad? No, not at all. And uh, I grew up more like a Phillies fan, uh, baseball, 76ers, but never an Eagles. I was always a Joe Montana fan, uh, just the PA boy. Obviously, he's from Western Pennsylvania, but grew up a 49ers fan. I think I was more of a bandwagon fan than anything. Well,
0: let me ask you this. You spend four seasons with the Dolphins, five with the Jaguars, the last four with the Chiefs. Why retire now when you probably could back up Patrick Mahomes forever, I would think?
1: Well, oh, it's just a lot to get that goes into it. I mean, it's the off-season prep, um, which I enjoy. I, I, I never say I wouldn't enjoy because I love working out. I love uh, the process uh, to go about the whole season. But just when you wake up and your body's just not feeling right each and every day and you got to do the stretches that not a lot of people have to do when you're young. And yep. just to get the body going and your mind mentally going, I think you just know it's time. And my kids are at the age, they're at 9 and 7 right now. And just wanted to be a part of their lives as well. Had you told any of your teammates before the game? No. I mean, the the quarterback room uh, had a good idea. Uh, I know Patrick was still a little skeptic of, is he going to do it? Is he not going to do it? Um, but I think everybody, you know, was definitely surprised after the game. But the quarterback room was kind of a, the only ones that really, really knew.
0: So what is next for you? Is it, I take it being a dad, hanging around the house, helping with the kids, anything else? That you would like to get to could you see any part of you doing anything in football or we're moving forward
1: yeah uh i definitely want to get into the training the quarterbacks uh situation um back east we'll move back to pennsylvania obviously be a part of the kids lives but, but just to be around it uh have so much knowledge to give out that i feel like it would be a waste for me not to be around it mm. um i would love to coach but i think that's just too much too many hours on my plate and uh i just want to be around my family and spend time with them as well although sometimes backup quarterbacks make great coaches chad you've
0: picked up so much knowledge during time right that you really are very good at that kind of thing but it is a huge commitment for someone who spent 13 seasons in the national
1: football again did pretty well financially you don't have to coach yeah and uh You know, actually, Rick Burkholder, our uh, trainer, said this after we left. And he said, you know, you could do the Doug Peterson, take a couple of years off and you get the itch to come back. You know, everybody will welcome you back, especially if you want to, you know, keep that in mind and obviously go to the coaching route. But I'll take some time off. I'll I'll train the quarterbacks. And if I ever do get the itch, uh, I know who to hit up for sure.
0: For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call click ranger.com or just stop by. What What is the one thing that you learned about that position you would be passing on as a
1: quarterback coach? I think uh, just all the details, um, the learning experience uh, because there's only one guy on a team that's the quarterback. And um, it's not easy. It's uh, a lot of pressures on you, but I always felt like the preparation part of it, staying prepared, your work ethic, the leadership qualities that we all uh, personified to be are all things that will really carry on throughout life. And uh, Chad Pennington was a role model for me when I was young And I felt like even when I was a starter and then, you know, getting benched and all the adversity I went through, all those kind of built me up and that role model part that I love so much for so many years. Now, we talked about Tom Brady
0: retiring, you retiring. I'm curious with both you guys being quarterbacks, both you guys being in the league as long as you have him a little bit longer. Is there any sort of relationship
1: between the two of you at all? It's really just strictly on the field. Uh, I remember talking to him back when I was in Michigan a couple of times, uh, he would reach out and Scott left was our quarterback coach. So we we're all kind of tight knit. And, um, but it was strictly just uh, as a competitive friend and maybe this will, might bring us closer, you know, with retirement and maybe just reach out and kind of pick each other's brains and uh, create a relationship like that if it works out. But I would definitely love to sit down with them and uh, you know, You know, he's the greatest to ever do it and just uh, really just sit down and see how he went about it and how he went about the daily process.
0: And when you heard that he was retiring a couple of weeks ago, did you know at that point that you were retiring and think, okay, here's two Michigan quarterbacks, two of the more decorated Michigan quarterbacks in history
1: going out a couple of weeks apart? Yeah, I mean, I really didn't think about it. I mean, I was just uh, I mean, I think we're all in shock. I mean, obviously we thought Tom, you know, he'd played till he's 60 years old, but it all ends at some point for all of us. And, you know, obviously he's had a hell of a career uh, And he was one of the guys I looked up to as well, you know, coming into the league and obviously being a Michigan guy and, you know, to be alongside him and playing, playing against him as a competitor was is tremendous.
0: You just said he's the greatest to ever do it. And yet you arrived in Kansas City in 2018 when Patrick Mahomes officially became the full-time starter. How long did it take you to realize – how unique and special of a talent he was
1: Uh, day one. I mean, just see him flick the ball, uh, his spatial awareness on the field, his leadership qualities really stepped, uh, stood out to me from the beginning. I mean, as a young quarterback, it's tough for guys to really command a team and an offense at a young age. And he stepped into that role so easy, so easily. And um, yeah, I, it, it's, it's unreal what he does. We see it in practice each and every day and it comes to light on Sundays. So to say I'm surprised, not at all because we see it each and every day. And it's such a, it's such a fun part to be a part of them. What do you see every day that we don't get to see on Sundays? The details, the superstitions, um, each and every day superstitions. Oh, I mean, you know, baseball background. So all these guys, I mean, he has to have a certain thing each and every day he comes in. He does his work. His notes are written out a certain way. Um, the same pair of underwear, which probably not a lot of people know on game day. He's been wearing it since uh, uh, I've been a part of it. Uh, and I've never said this. So this will definitely be a light. and be like, what the hell? You're checking my underwear out? But <laughs> there's there's things that I've seen that nobody else has seen. Um, and But his preparation is unbelievable, how he goes about it. Um, He knows exactly how many plays are in each section on Andy Reid's call sheet. And if it's off by one play, it's going to be mentioned that week. Um, So, yeah, I mean, he he dives into it deeply and it's it's fun to watch each and every day. Wait, But let's not bury the lead here, Chad.
0: You mentioned (laughs) he's wearing the same pair of underwear. So he signs this half a billion dollar contract and he's still wearing the same
1: pair of underwear throughout his entire career. Sunday, only on Sundays so sunday it's the same pair obviously it's a different outfit um but yeah ever since i've known and this will be funny for us to (laughs) go about he's like dude what are you doing checking out my underwear but there's these things that i've seen that nobody else has seen well let's help him along here because there's got to be some sort of
0: marketing opportunity not that he needs it is it what color is it? What's the brand? What do we know about this underwear, this special underwear that brought him so much good fortune that, that he
1: wouldn't be able to have had this career without this underwear? Yeah. I mean, the red, uh, I, I'm not sure if they're Hanes or if they're Lululemon, Lemon, but it's, it's one or two of those yep. brands. And um, yeah, ever since he comes in the locker room, boom, it's like there. And I'll be stretching. And like I said, you just glimpse up and you're like, damn, kids learn them again. Like, this is definitely has to be a superstition and a good luck charm for sure. And here's a question I never thought I'd be asking you on this podcast Is it boxer or brief? Brief. Oh, wow. <laughs>
0: so we got a red brief that he's been wearing his entire career. Wow. That's quite a superstition. I, I,
1: before I got here, so I don't know if he was wearing him in 17 or not. So I don't know if it was just right right when you got in the NFL or what. <laughs> now,
0: we saw you warming up on the sideline during Super Bowl 57 after he re aggravated his ankle injury. What was going through your mind when that happened, especially since you knew it would be your final game?
1: Yeah, it's it's always those biggest moments, you know. Obviously, the divisional games that I played in the last uh, couple of years, and it's like, damn, couldn't have just gotten hurt like again, somebody, you know, that not that the games don't mean anything, but the regular season, and I could go in and just, you know, go out and play freely. And now it's like the biggest moments, the biggest stage. But I always say, just go back to my preparation, try to keep a keen. Uh, a calm uh, mindset about myself and uh, just go back to my preparation, go back to mentally saying, be decisive, be aggressive, just take what they give you and, you know, just play football like I've always done for the last 15 years. And you'll be remembered in Kansas City for stepping up big in two
0: playoff games, one in 2020 against the Browns, where you came up to seal a win and once last month against the Jaguars, when you led that 98, 98 yard scoring drive. How do you come off the bench ice cold and do that not once but twice in a playoff game?
1: Yeah, I think really I've I've had experience in this league. I've been a starter. Uh, I've had those situations, obviously not in that uh, situation, that stage. But I've been able to come to games and do my job. And uh, like I said, I always rely back on my preparation. There's a lot that goes into it each and every week. I get every throw that Patrick gets, even though I don't get a rep Hmm. in practice. So my arm stays live, my body stays fresh, and uh, I take the scout team and practice very seriously. You know, I I try to give them the best um, look I can possibly get, and hopefully, my prep during that week is better than the quarterback's prep uh, Hmm. that's starting on Sunday. And hopefully, uh, it it eases the defense's minds too.
0: For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions. For every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click, ranger.com or just stop by. I should ask you about Andy Reid because you played with him or under him for the last four years. What did you learn about being around Andy, who has to be regarded now as one of the great offensive minds of all time?
1: Well, it, it's always one quote is, let your personality show. And he ends the meeting right before he says, I'll treat you to cheeseburger on Saturday night. And that always resonated with me just because there were many times in my career that teams, coaches were so uptight, so like involved in just trying to win mm-hmm. that it took away a lot of personalities on our team. And I think that. Always stood with me. Let your personality show. Just be you. You don't have to be anything other than you when you step on the field. And I, I, I'll i take that from here on out in my life, that I'll be myself each and every day. And if you like me, you don't. But I'm, I'll, I'll be happy with myself.
0: And forgive me for not knowing this off the top of my head, but Lloyd Carr, Michigan, he was your coach? Yep, all four years. And what did you pick up from him? Because he was. A, he's a great man.
1: Yeah, I think uh, with Coach, I, I reached back and I said, I actually texted him right after the Super Bowl after he texted me and I said, Coach, you know did. what? You you taught me how to be a professional. You taught me the goods and the bads and taught me how to do it the right way. You know, and I, I always felt like he was a player's coach. Again, he was easy to communicate with. There was never a door where it was closed. We was always open door with him. And he always instilled confidence. And I just thought did it the right way, and that's how I always wanted to you know, exemplify him throughout my
0: career. You mentioned getting a text from Lloyd Carr after the game. How many text messages does a world champion, backup quarterback get, and what was the most interesting, exciting one that you did
1: receive, Chad? Um, I mean, numerous. It's over 100 for sure. Obviously, it's not the Patrick Mahomes where you get thousands of uh, text messages, but I just appreciate all the support. I mean, not one really stands out. Um, I think the people that mean the most, obviously my family members, uh, coaches in the past that have helped me along the way with all their support and guidance, uh, were, were definitely ones that just stand out to me. Thousands for Patrick bombs. I'm sure. I mean, he, he came in and he said, you know, I can't even answer all these, uh, text messages and reply back and, um, you know. Let it be. He had a lot on his plate, and uh, he deserves it. So when you look back at
0: this NFL career of yours coming in, I believe as a second-round draft pick, if my memory serves me correctly, in Miami and spending four years there, and I mentioned the five with the Jaguars and the last four with the Chiefs, what's going to come to your mind when you look back on that 13-year span, Chad?
1: I think it's just all about uh, relationships. I think any profession that you're in, the relationships that you build throughout your career, will always stick with you. And I always try to be the best teammate possible. I always put my ego aside, try to be humble, and just be a leader when in need. And um, I think that will always stick with me, that I was a locker room guy. I tried to keep everything at ease, try to crack jokes, um, be you know, humbled, like I said before, and just be the ultimate teammate.
0: And when you look back at the players you played with, aside from Patrick, is there the one guy – whose talents just
1: blew you away? Oh, I don't know. There's just so many. I I, I can't just name one. I mean, there's, there's people I played against people I played with, but obviously Patrick will stand out. Um, Travis Kelsey. I mean, he's probably number two, the ultimate guy. And obviously he'll go down as a Hall of Fame tight end and greatest to ever do it. But those guys definitely stick with me just because it's recent, but, A lot of people that I can't name, but I appreciate all their contributions, not only helping me, but uh, their play uh, throughout their time, too.
0: Chad, I want to thank you very much. You got a parade to get ready for. Thank you for taking the time today. Very much appreciated. And we will be in touch.
1: For sure. Thanks, Adam. Go Blue.
0: Enjoy retirement. Go Blue. Thank you. And there is Chad Henney. We congratulate him on another Super Bowl title. A great career. How many people get to spend 13 years in the National Football League? You have to be not only a good player, but somebody who does things the right way and treats people the right way to have a career that lasts that long. All right. This is going to be the first weekend post Super Bowl where there's a Sunday, a free Sunday since I think Labor Day weekend or August. It's going to be very weird to wake up on Sunday morning. It always is the Sunday after the Super Bowl when you're used to getting up at four in the morning, four thirty in the morning, you're up all night. But this Sunday we're going to try to sleep in. We're going to try to live the regular existence and life that most people get to enjoy on Sundays. And we're going to try to spend a little bit of time with family and friends this upcoming weekend. Hope everybody enjoys their time. We'll be back in this spot next week with more interviews, insights, and information. We'll be joined next week by the Dolphins fullback. Alec Engold, who has a new book coming out, and we'll have plenty of updates on the comings and goings of the National Football League. I want to thank Chad Henney for taking the time today. I want to thank my great producers, Christina Buswell and Sarah Abbott, and you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. The Adam Schefter podcast is presented by Granger With supplies and solutions for every industry, Granger has the right product for you. All click Granger.com or just stop by. We'll be back next week. Until then, have a great week, be well, and stay safe.